Yeah, so he came home from his box party. This was about three weeks before the wedding. So he was just like really off. So he tells me that his feelings has changed, that wow, wow, he doesn't wow. love me anymore, that he can't go ahead with the wedding. Wow. Oh my gosh. Why, hello there. I'm Jen Fricker. And I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. And this is Lived It, the podcast where we speak to everyday Australians and Kiwis who didn't just watch the show or movie everyone's banging on about, why they lived it. Today's episode is going to be a bit of a wild one. We are chatting about a new dating experiment show called The Ultimatum, colon, marry or move on. And it has one of the most freaking psycho premises I've ever come across in a reality show before. Yeah, and what would you expect from the creators of Love is Blind? They've done it again! (laughs) This show follows six couples that have considered marriage, but one person in the relationship is ready to get married, and the other person is kind of on the other side of the (laughs) offence. They're not ready to commit fully at this time. And that's why they get the ultimatum, which is to get married Or move on for good. So this really isn't your average reality dating TV show because over the course of six to eight weeks, each contestant will choose a new potential partner from another couple and they've got this big old pool of couples to pick from and pretty much they get to trial marriage with someone that is not their partner. And when they say trial marriage, that means living (laughs) together, meeting each other's families and friends. Mm -hmm. It's a full-on investment for six weeks and then after that they have to figure out whether they want to stay with their old partner and get married or leave them for someone else or be alone entirely it's wild wacky stuff check out the trailer to a show that you're bound to become freaking addicted to i think it's natural to wonder what it would be like to be in a different relationship You'll each choose a new partner. You'll move in together in a trial marriage. And at the end of this experience... You guys will have to choose to marry the person you've arrived here with or to split forever. Living with a guy that's not you will be a weird change. How do you feel about me sleeping in the bed? (laughs) Are you nervous to meet my dad? Hopefully they don't grill me too hard. This is the first time I felt like, okay, this guy's okay. From what he said about you, I was not happy about this at all. We came here as a couple, but it's about figuring out what's best as individual people. I'm trying to figure out if this person I'm about to get reconnected with, does she understand that I am who she really wants? Should I just stay with you because you're crying and I feel bad, or should I look out for what I really want in life? It was the best moment of my life. This is how a marriage should feel. He's falling for somebody else. Fucking leave! Whoa! It is now time to make a decision. Are you ready to make your choice? Yeah, this show is juicy as hell. Well, the whole time I'm watching this show, I feel like I'm on the precipice of a disaster waiting to happen at any point. This is kind of the best type of voyeuristic relationship drama you can have. Yeah, because relationship drama sucks when it's happening to you, but when you're watching it from afar... It's pretty fun, sorry. And that's why on today's show, we have two guests. We're going to be talking to Melissa, who has a kind of move on slash thank you next story of her very own, but it is not actually going to turn out the way you think it does. And we'll be chatting to Steph Rigg. She's a relationship coach about whether or not giving an ultimatum actually works or not. 
And Alexi, we threw this out to the Netflix audience to see if anyone themselves had given an ultimatum and Melissa got in touch with her incredible story. Let's have a listen right now. So me and my ex met through a friend, but I didn't really know of him at the time until like we were properly introduced. So from day one, we were like inseparable. Honestly, we were at, I was either at his mom's house or he was at my house. We were together for seven years and then we got engaged and then we bought a house together. Another workmate of mine was giving his dog up for adoption. So me and my ex, we adopted this beautiful Labrador and she was our baby. Already, i got to say, this story has put me at ease because it is less uh, bonkers than, like, the relationships we're seeing in The Ultimatum. No, no, no. For me, the stakes are already high. Oh, God, you're right. (laughs) Pet, engage. You're right. It can only go down from here. Oh, God. (laughs) So there was about 140 guests that we invited to our wedding. That was from overseas and all around Australia. (laughs) So in the lead up to the wedding, the invites were all sent and everyone that was coming from overseas was starting to prepare their travel fares and accommodation. So they had accommodation booked about four to five months in advance. 140 people is so many people. That's normal to me. I've only been to like Mediterranean weddings in my life. Like, yeah, 140, pretty intimate. Wow. Only a few of my grandparents' acquaintances would be there. I'm saying like 140, like packs, you know what I mean? Mm. The cost of this already. Yeah, what are we saying beautiful. per guest? 150 per head? Good Lord. I can't do the math uh, on it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> bogged down in the details. So the wedding venue cost us about 30, 30K <laughs> with 140 guests. $30,000. <gasps> to me, there's a good deal happening here. Okay. Because, you know, you hear so many stories of receptions being $100,000 affairs, $30,000. This is a good deal. It's going to be a good party. So, yeah, it was over the coast, beautiful scenery, somewhere where we could go, like, for the weekend if we wanted to. I had to finalise paying up my wedding dress, the music, the band, the DJ, his groom suit and his groomsmen as well. The flowers, we had to pay the flowers off and, yeah, it just never <laughs> ended up that way. Oh, my Lord. Melissa, no, no, no. Oh, God. Yeah, so he came home from his box party. This was about three weeks before the wedding. So he had gone to Queensland for his box party for the weekend and then he had come home and then he was different. He couldn't face me. So he was just like really off. So he tells me that his feelings has changed, that he doesn't love me anymore. What? That he can't go ahead with the wedding. Like by then all of the events had finished, like the hen's party, the kitchen tea, his box, box party. That whole week was such a mess because trying to cancel the wedding venue, trying to trying to tell my family and family and friends that this wedding had been cancelled. So I lost the deposit for most of our vendors. So the drummers had to finalise paying off the cake, finalise paying off my wedding dress which was all handmade, custom made. I just finished my final fitting 
Yeah, so a lot of things happened in that three-week period. So two weeks before the wedding, um, I just had an idea of putting the wedding venue in, onto Facebook Marketplace, oh. just posted up saying, you know, my wedding's been cancelled. Is there any brides out here that would like a wedding venue that's fully paid off? Um, you could just pay me back the rest of what is owing on the deposit. Um, there was about 8000 left on that. There was some interest, but those ladies came back to me and said that they couldn't get a minister or the marriage license in time for the wedding. So they cancelled and they just um, declined the offer. You get great deals on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. I got a Noguchi replica coffee table. Mm-hmm. That usually retail about six hundred dollars. How much? Hundred bucks, my dude. Oh, just good had Lord. to go pick it up. Honestly, for eight grand, that's a bargain. And then heaps of my friends were like, "Well, why don't we just have a party?" And I was like, "What do you mean have a party?" And I was like, "Yeah, just like let's go and just use the wedding venue for the weekend." At the time, I was like still devastated, heartbroken. I didn't know what I was doing. And they're like, yeah, just think about it. So I went home from work and I was like, oh, wow, I've got this fucking $8,000 debt to go. Like, what am I going to do with it? I lost the deposit, lost the dress. I didn't even pick the dress up. Like, till this day, it's still at the bridal store. Whoa, not the dress. So I asked him to help me finish up paying off this wedding. But then at the time, he had quit his job. So he was like, well, I don't have any money, so I can't help you. Yes, I ended up having to do all of that on my own. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And I decided no one can get married at this wedding venue and I I do have to pay this um, off and I don't like having debts. So speaking to the events coordinator at the wedding venue, I was like, well, why don't we just use the venue as a, like, a thank you next party? (laughs) I love that. That rocks, dude. All my family and friends were on board with it. They were like the most supportive of it, actually, you know, my family. And they were like, yeah, we're coming here for a holiday, so why not? Let's have a party for the weekend. Inspired by Ariana Grande. (laughs) Everything was like being thank you next. The photo booth that we had was thank you next. Yeah, so it was just like a massive party and like all my family and friends were on board with it. So I had to replace his side of the family I guess with my own friends so like my workmates came my best mates from high school came you know the bon veneers the vendor for that reached out to me and she was invited <laughs> so just anyone that wanted to come and just like be with me that day were invited I love that oh my god this should be like a regular milestone for people yeah, that's way better than just like, I don't know, if like a, going through a breakup of a relationship of 10 years, all I would want to do is lie down on the floor of my house for about a year oh. and just eat absolute garbage mm-hmm. and never see anyone and cry my eyes out. I think this is very much uh, lemons turning into lemonade. There was a six-month period of where I was like trying to reach out to him and make sure that he was okay and that, you know, um, trying to finalize like, all of our things in our relationship like our house our dog so yeah six to seven months um, after the whole situation had happened he had come to see me just try to say 
I'm sorry, like, this is not what he wanted. No, he doesn't. Of course he does. I had a freaking shiver from my tip to my quiver. That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy, dude. I mean, it's shocking, but it doesn't surprise me. I just couldn't go back again into that relationship. I guess I think your next party was like just um, a way. Yeah, I guess it was a way for me to move on and to like just close that chapter in my life. I did have my thank you next party and yeah, I can't go back from that. (laughs) The ultimatum maybe is not such a bad idea, at least as far as saving lots of money goes. Like, it's crazy as well, because all that money wasted when he could have just spent maybe a couple hundred bucks on therapy. Mm, yeah, it's true. So funny. I mean, funny. at least Melissa got a good party out of yeah. this and a good story out of this. Totally. That's, I mean, it sucks, and I hate that this happened to her, but wow, what a bullet dodged. Mm, and I got to say, I love this idea of a thank you next party. You and I, Jen, we've been going to a lot of weddings together recently. Yeah. A lot of our friends are at that stage of getting married. And how much sicker would it be if instead of like, oh, an engagement party that I got to go to, what do I got to do with that? Do I bring a present to an engagement party? Is it If I have to move stuff, the ways it worth going. But thank you next party, you better believe I'm moving stuff out of the way. I'm going. And you know I'm like going to go all out for the present because like it's going to be a freaking rock and roll freaking night also i would do like because i'm guessing there would have been a wedding photographer mm. oh, video yes. crew all that stuff you got the photo booth yeah <laughs> i would be documenting every yes. single minute of this i would be doing the wedding photography photos mm. but just solo yeah like you know when it's like a hand holding or like like wow, wow, wow. someone I love lovingly that. like holding anyway i would just be doing that with my friends I wouldn't necessarily say Melissa got an ultimatum. It's not like this guy gave her a choice. Yeah, and all of that she put the ultimatum down either. Yeah, she entered into this thinking that they were both on the same page. And then at the last minute, he flips out. So I feel like in a way, maybe an ultimatum would have saved them both some time. Or, you know, the ultimate ultimatum was laid down. The commitment ceremony is coming up, so, you know, make sure you've got the choice in your mind. Be there or be square. Yeah. Marry or or move on. on. Uh, Melissa, thank you so very, very much for your story. And definitely, if you're out there in the Lived It universe listening to this podcast, please share your stories with us on Instagram. We love bringing you guys onto the show and making you part of the lived experience. Yeah. I hope that anyone else who maybe is going through a similar thing, brutal breakup, blindsided, yeah. that you hear that and go, well, at least... <laughs> I could possibly get on the Live Tip podcast. Yeah, I'm actually going to say, Melissa, you're one of my freaking heroes right yeah. now. Absolutely up there, an icon, an idol, yeah. someone to be worshipped. Yes. So we've seen the marry or move on story in Melissa's real life. We've also seen it so much in the ultimatum. It feels like these kind of pressured situations, these ultimatums are everywhere right now. So I felt like after hearing Melissa's story, especially We should speak to an expert about this kind of stuff. Yeah, Steph Rigg is a relationship coach. She helps women break bad patterns so they can create deep, loving and connected relationships and hopefully avoid being in a situation like Melissa found herself in. Steph, thanks for joining us on Lived It today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. 
Well, we're talking about the ultimatum. We just heard from a listener, Melissa, who got into a situation where it was either marry or move on and her partner decided to move on three weeks before the wedding. Is the idea of an ultimatum a good thing or a bad thing for relationships? I'm so glad that you ask because it's actually something that I speak to people about and I've spoken about quite a bit because I think people often get into that energy of an ultimatum. It's like we, we're probably not very good at communicating our needs and expectations along the way in a relationship. And so we bury all this stuff, we internalize it, and then it sort of blows up and it, it comes out as this ultimatum of like, I need something from you or else. And to be honest, I don't think that ultimatums are a great idea most of the time. The way that I explain it to people is by contrast with like a healthy boundary, right? And boundaries is a huge piece in, in my work, in like the work of creating healthy, secure relationships, right? It's like, what are my boundaries? What works for me? What doesn't work for me? What am I available for? What am I not available for? And I think the difference between an ultimatum on the one hand and a healthy boundary on the other is an ultimatum is like a threat, basically. Oh, right? wow, of course. You know, and it's like it's it's kind of coming from fear and it's eliciting fear in the other person. So it's like I might get what I want, but am I getting it for the right reason? And I think that's like the question that I'd really invite people to sit with when it comes to issuing an ultimatum. It's like, yeah, you might get married, um, but only because you've threatened someone or coerced them into it. And is that like the foundation upon which you want to be moving forward? So that's sort of my take on ultimatums. It feels like a very movie thing to do, a very like romantic movie. like High stakes. If, yeah. If you yeah. want me, you'll fight for me. Like, mm. you know, chase me down at the airport before I get on the plane and leave you forever. Um, do you think that things like the culture that we take in, movies that we watch, stories that we read affects people's ideas of real life relationships? hundred percent. And I think it's so important to like reality check ourselves a bit on that and go, okay, it's, it's less sexy. It's less like dramatic. It's, it's, you know, not the like airport chase kind of scenario, Mm. but the reality is healthy relationships are built a conversation at a time, like having hard conversations and ideally having them early on um, and regularly so that, you know, we, we understand each other and we like, we are actually being somewhat upfront around like what our needs and expectations are. Cause a lot of us, again, we just sort of assume that someone is on the same page as us mm. and they may not be. And, and that doesn't always end well. I think it's so interesting that you've kind of grounded the idea for what an ultimatum is for me in, in that it's two people that have a difficulty expressing themselves to each other and being honest with each other. Is there kind of like a healthy alternative to something like that for people that perhaps have that difficulty communicating with each other? Yeah, I think that, again, like this idea of a healthy boundary and and the way that I try and delineate between that is like a boundary is about you, right? And a lot of people think that a boundary is about making someone change their behavior. It's like, oh, I tried setting a boundary, but they didn't respect it and they just kept doing the same thing. And it's like, yeah, but you stay, <laughs> you know, yeah. like what are you signaling to someone by letting them repeatedly like do what, what doesn't work for you? Taking responsibility for your own boundaries and communicating those um, and having just like an open, honest conversation with someone to your question of like what 
what's a healthier alternative to issuing an ultimatum? I think it's like sitting down with someone and going, where we're at and like the trajectory that we're on isn't feeling good for me. I'm not like this level of uncertainty doesn't really work for me. It doesn't leave me feeling like emotionally safe and secure in this relationship. I need something more in order for this to work. Like, and asking that question of like, what would I need in order to feel safe? I think that's sort of the healthier version of it in my mind. I've noticed on the ultimatum, the couples, you know, break up at the beginning of the show and they start dating members of the other couples and they are able to articulate what's missing in their relationship so easily to a relative stranger. And Mm. you as a relationship coach, Steph, must also kind of see this transformation of people who aren't able to communicate with their partner. Why do you think it is that people can outside of the relationship pinpoint it and communicate it to a relative stranger much more easily than they can to their partner i think the thing that comes up for me is is fear of rejection which is Mm. this thing that so many of us struggle with and it's very very human and very understandable right but there is a level of vulnerability in saying to someone like i'm scared or i i need some reassurance because i need to know that that you're in this and that you love me. Like when you're reaching out like that and you're not sure if the person's gonna gonna reach back or, or take your hand, the vulnerability that that comes with opening yourself up to potential rejection, I think is huge. And it's something that so many people I work with are really crippled by. Mm. There's something that I'm kind of fascinated in because it happens in the show quite a bit, but it also happened in our listener story from Melissa in that after this breakup, after a long-term relationship, the ex-fiance, after it all happened, did come back and try to like rekindle the relationship again. Is that something that happens a lot? Like, is it built by this sudden fear of being alone and the unknown? Like, is that something that happens? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. It just happens a lot in such dramatic expressions Yeah, <laughs> in the way that that story seems to have played out. But I think people like coming and going and that hot and cold kind of behavior is mm. something that I see a lot of. Typically, I'm seeing the person on the receiving end of it rather than um, the person who's coming and going. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think, again, it goes back to to fear and people like some people who are less comfortable with emotional vulnerability and tend to display some of those avoidant traits, things get, things get real and they just pull away because they don't know how to hold that. They don't feel safe. And so often like their strategy for, for protecting themselves is to create distance. And I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff like online on Instagram, it'll tell you like those people are narcissists and they're like red flags and bad. And the reality is like most people are just scared. Yeah. We all just deal with our fear in different ways. Um, that doesn't mean you have to accept the behavior or, or take someone back if they've treated you badly. But you think like seeing it as, as a, you know, fear-driven behavior probably invites you into a place of compassion rather than villainization. Well, the other thing that you see on the ultimatum is uh, there's a moment in the show where people can choose who they're going to start dating in like a kind of proto-marriage as part of the experiment. Partners are sitting at their table watching their partners pick someone else to live with. And this results, and spoilers for anyone listening, if you haven't gotten up to episode three, please just like tune out for a few moments. This results in not one but two 
spontaneous proposals at the dinner table. Two people who absolutely did not want to get married at the beginning, as soon as they see their partner even consider being with someone else, decide, yeah, actually, you know what? I was wrong. I want to have kids. I don't mind. And, you know, people call it out for being fearful and stuff. Why do you think that behavior happens as well? Why is that fear response manifesting as I'm going to lock into a lifelong relationship with this person. Yeah, I guess like you you could say that like someone's might be keeping their options open or like that if they're being enabled in like not committing, like if their partner's not setting those boundaries and really asking for a level of commitment and saying like anything less than this isn't going to work for me, when push comes to shove and you sort of see it playing out, like that sense of scarcity or, or fear, as you say, that could kind of make it real. And a lot of the time, you know, when people don't respect someone's boundaries, it's because they don't think that that person is serious about them. And often people aren't. They sort of like voice a boundary, but they, they have no real intention of following through, right? It is kind of just a an empty threat. And so I think like to see that playing out might have it, like it would really hit home in a way that it wouldn't necessarily if it's just the two of them having a fight over dinner about getting married, right? Do you ever see trends in the types of relationship problems people present to you with? Like, for example, there's been a bit of people getting back with their exes, like Mm. famously Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. Like are more people kind of considering getting back with people they dated a few years ago? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know that I've noticed like a, a clear uptick in that. I think like jealousy is always a big one that people really struggle with and come to me with a lot. And obviously we see like infidelity playing out a lot. That's always a, a like big headline, particularly in the world of social media and, and online stuff. I think there has probably been more infidelity and and blurred lines around what constitutes infidelity right yeah and so I think that that is something that a lot of people really struggle to navigate like what's okay and people ask me all the time like is it okay if my boyfriend is messaging this person that's like why are you asking me right (laughs) like it's clearly not okay with you and that's the important thing um, and I think there is a bigger point there that people don't really trust themselves to know what's okay for them. Wow. And will often ask me, like, is it okay if my partner is doing this? Like, I think that's important to know that for yourself. So you're saying that that kind of line is different for every couple? So I think obviously there are there are clearer lines, like, you know, sexting someone on Instagram is probably going to be in the not okay basket for the majority of people, depending on you know, the boundaries of your relationship. But I think like, the jealousy thing is really a spectrum and and it's a matter of like getting clear around what feels okay for you in the context of your relationship. I mean, as you're saying, it is not very sexy to communicate boundaries and have those like discussions. If you're a complete newbie to that, if you're feeling intimidated by that idea, what would be your one tip for someone who is who is wanting to get into a place that they're more comfortable with that kind of discussion in boundary setting. This is going to sound even less sexy. There's this framework <laughs> called called nonviolent communication. That's something you can Google if you're interested, but basically it's a way of communicating where instead of saying to someone like, you never do this or you always do that or like anyone, any normal person would know this. It's like, hey, when you do X, I feel Y 
specific behavior, mm. specific feeling, like impact that it has on me, followed up with a specific request. So would you be willing to request or would you be open to request? And that sort of like template, it's almost like a fill in the blanks kind of thing, is like a really, really powerful, practical, easy way to have hard conversations. You know, it might feel a bit like clunky and formulaic to begin with, but you sort of get used to it. And it's like, if you say to someone like, would you be open to, mm. it's really hard for someone to get defensive, right? And that's the struggle. Most people, when they have these hard conversations, they don't know how to do it. It comes across as attacking. The person gets defensive and it spirals into a big mess. Yeah. And they're much more likely to, to receive that request, like with compassion and care about you. And you sort of build something together from there. I think that's really so helpful because it just goes... It's an easy way for someone to go, here's my problem. He, let's open up the conversation around it rather mm. than just here's an accusation or something like that. Yeah. It's opening up rather than shutting down. I think that's so helpful for people to hear. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you so much, Steph, for joining us. This has been, yeah, such a fun chat with you. And hopefully if you're listening and you don't want to get into a situation where you're in a marry or move on, <laughs> if you want to, you know, get it a few steps before that, Steph, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, you guys. Thanks so much for having me. So as you know, Jen, this isn't usually the kind of thing that I go in on. Uh, and I'm loving, <laughs> can I just say, yeah. you coming into my world for yes a while. <laughs> it's pretty cool right we've kind of swapped shoes recently and, and really i like are. it yeah so with this show in particular it's very american and at first that's the kind of thing that freaks me out about this show because it's like these people are in this like do or die situation with their relationships they've laid down the titular ultimatum and then seeing like all these people have these hectic conversations about like going you know i need to have a freaking baby yesterday i need to be married in three days from now and i want a house within the week and i'm like okay uh that's freaking me out mm. as soon as like the chiron pops up at the bottom of the screen it's like april age 23 i'm like oh my god these people are babies compared to me i can't even compute it it's so juicy the concept juicy is the word yes juicy is the word because like it's like a psychological thriller in a what in a way (laughs) yes like when i was watching it i was like this would be a french film yeah like (laughs) le dinner party and it's like oh For the evening, we've swapped everyone's husbands and wives. And, like, it's just, like, I don't know. And, like, it would be so pretentious and far-fetched if it was a French film. But in this format, you're just like, oh, this is one of the most human things I've ever seen because you see people's fears and insecurities Mm. like that. Can I tell you the real mind-blower moment for me? Mm -hmm. Because we've described the main crux of the show, but there was an element that I did not anticipate. I could see all that stuff happening. I could not see that at the end of the day, all the ladies in the couples and all the fellas in these broken-up couples that are all mismatched around, they all go out for drinks together and they talk through their problems. And part of it's exciting to see, like, all these men having these open discussion with these people about like what their relationship problems have been and these outsiders that now have an inside look into their relationship talking with each other. I'm like, oh, there's something interesting and healthy about that. But also the drama between those conversations is out of this world. It's so turbo. It's, an absolutely it's turbo, turbo, absolutely. Also the fact that they have to watch their partner date on these yeah. dates. Like they're all in the same bar. They're all just watching. 
oh, just, man. and then they go back to their partners at the end of the night and have a chat about it. It's just bringing in the parents, bringing in their friends, their lives fully intersect with this show. It's uh, it's a powerful force. And like as you were saying, these people are pretty young. I think the oldest person in the show is thirty. Yeah, I also want to say this is season one of the show. There is a season two in the pipeline, and it's going to be same sex couples. Ooh. So very curious to see how this show that feels very modern yeah. in reality show sense is going to keep playing out and evolving. Oh, I can't wait. And that's all we've got on today's episode. I want to start by saying a huge thank you to Melissa for sharing such an amazing story on today's podcast. Absolutely. And thank you so much to Steph Rigg for giving us some relationship advice. The ultimatum, marry or move on, is streaming right now on Netflix. And if you have any juicy stories like Melissa, please do DM us on Insta at NetflixANZ and we'd love to share it on the show. And if this episode brought up anything for you, get in touch with Relationships Australia, one 364 277 Please do leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. It really helps us out. This podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. And we do want to say thank you to our executive producer, Priya Tahazada, and our producer, Abby Lenton. And thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. See you later, gang. <laughs>